couple of years ago, our theme for Vacation Bible School was I Am. And uh, we had uh, these shirts, and uh, these are not superheroes. These are Vidal and Beth Gonzalez. Well, they're kind of superheroes, but these were the shirts that we wore. And I had one. I wore it uh, through Vacation Bible School. Mine was uh, much larger than both of those together. And uh, one day after Vacation Bible School, I went to get lunch, I believe, and walked in. The clerk saw my, uh, uh, my shirt and said, that's a great shirt. I said, well, thank you. He said, it's very empowering. I said, great. And then I showed him the back, and the back clearly ties this I am statement to Jesus. And he didn't like the shirt as much after that. Wasn't looking for uh, one to wear himself. Jesus identified himself with these two words, I am, ego me in the Greek, New Testament Greek. Uh, these words that Jesus used incited people to want to kill him. Why was that? Well, just notice some of what he says here in John chapter 8. He says, unless you believe I am, you will die in your sins. When you lift up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am. Before Abraham was born, I am. So these words infuriated Jesus' own people. And at the end of that statement he made about Abraham, they picked up stones to try and kill him. But he slipped away. Well, what made them want Jesus dead over this? Well, very simply, he was claiming to be God. That, it was blasphemy. And every good Jewish person knew this. Uh, centuries before God himself had revealed uh, himself to, to Moses in the burning bush. In Exodus chapter 3, God said, I am the God of your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And Moses said, but what is your name? And God said, I am who I am. Tell the people that I am has sent you. So clearly, Jesus, in using those two words, was saying that he was God, the great I am. We begin this series today, this I Am series. We're looking at seven I Am statements that Jesus makes in the Gospel of John. So do you want to know who Jesus is? Learn the I Am's. Those identify Him. Do you want to become more like Jesus? Then live the I Am's. So we start in John chapter 6 this morning. Uh, John chapter 6 where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So let me ask you, uh, what would it take to satisfy you? Think for a moment. What, what would it take to satisfy you? What, what event, what person, what experience, what achievement would fill you, would satisfy you? Well, um, listen to what a few celebrities said. Jim Carrey, he said, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed so they can see that it's not the answer. Halle Berry. Beauty, she said. Let me tell you something. Being thought of as a beautiful woman has spared me nothing in life. No heartache, no trouble. Beauty is essentially meaningless. I can't believe what people do to themselves to make themselves look beautiful. They still have that hole in their soul. In November, Billie Eilish released this song. I had a dream. I got everything I wanted. Not what you'd think, and if I'm being honest, it might have been a nightmare to anyone who might care. Brad Pitt. 
He said, the emphasis now is on success and personal gain. I'm sitting in it, and I'm telling you that's not it. I'm the guy who's got everything. I know. But I'm telling you, once you've got everything, then you're just left with yourself. I have similar quotes from Rihanna and Russell Brand and Cameron Diaz about the, uh, the emptiness of money and sex and fame. So these celebrities might not know what will satisfy them, but they know what won't. That's the hunger that Jesus addresses in John chapter 6. Uh, this chapter starts with thousands of people who are following Jesus out into the countryside. Uh, they, they are just amazed by his teaching and his miracles, and, and, and they go all the way out to the middle of nowhere following after Jesus and then discover that there's not enough food for everybody. They're hungry. And so Jesus took a boy's lunch and he multiplied it gave to his disciples to distribute among the thousands of people. And when they had, everyone had eaten their fill, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. And people were so impressed by this that they wanted to make Jesus king by force. But he slipped away. The people kept searching for him, though. They, they were focused on filling their stomachs. And they even got into boats, John chapter 6 tells us, and crossed over the Sea of Galilee looking for Jesus. And when they found him, Jesus said, you're looking for the wrong kind of bread. Don't long for bread that spoils. Long for the true food that my Father gives. The bread that comes down from heaven. And the crowd said, you know, that really sounds good to us. Give us that kind of bread. And so Jesus gets very plain, here it is, John 6, 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. What does Jesus mean? Understand that every people group has some sort of bread as a staple of their diet. Whether they call that bread mantu or chapati or pandasol or injera, whatever the name is, there's some form of bread that's foundational in the diet of that people group. So Jesus is calling himself true food, uh, the prime nourishment, the real staple, the bread of life. Life. Now there are two different Greek words for life. Uh, there's bios and zoe. Now let me explain the difference between them. Uh, bios life refers to what is material, how life appears, how it functions. So bios refers to money, to food, to time. It's like it's used in 1 John 3.17 when it says, if you have material possessions, and the word is bios, if you have material possessions and you see a brother in need and you do nothing, then how can the love of God be in you? The other Greek word for life is zoe. And that's not just about the physical, that's about the eternal. It's life that goes beyond this earth. It's a quality of life that transcends food and drink and blood and tears and work and rest and time and treasure. Now, the people came to Jesus looking for bios, bread, something to fill their stomachs. And Jesus says, I am zoe bread. That's the word he uses for life here. 
I'm the only one who can satisfy your eternal longing. So Jesus is offering something that goes beyond the needs of this life. He offers ultimate soul satisfaction. Beyond meeting basic needs, which we all have. He's not talking about a full stomach. Jesus is talking about completely satisfying the the bigger issues of life. The hunger for significance, the longing to be free, the desire to be loved, the craving for relief and rest, the need for forgiveness, the hunger for joy and peace and eternal satisfaction, connection with the Almighty Creator. And Jesus says, I can fulfill your deepest forever needs. Don't be satisfied with less. Complete satisfaction, he's saying, come only from me. Now, now that's revolutionary. So uh, let me identify your basic problem and mine. Here it is, what, what Jesus is doing. Jesus confronts our use of bios stuff to fill our zoe emptiness. So Jesus is confronting our use of earthly things to fill our eternal longings. Now, by the time I met Chip, he was just about to get fired, and his marriage was disintegrating. Chip's parents had raised him in a good church. Uh, Outwardly, Chip looked like a a solid Christian guy, but he was not. Um, Chip's parents themselves were very legalistic. They were very focused on money, money conscious. They spent all their lives in this good church. So Chip grew up seeing that outward appearances and personal possessions were really very, very important. So even though he was in church every Sunday, even as an adult, even though he was part of a Bible study class and married to a lovely Christian woman, he did not fill his emptiness with Christ. What what he filled it with was buying and racing motorcycles. That was his greater passion. Making money was his main priority. And what got him fired, or about to be fired, and eventually fired, was when the company he worked for found out he had been hooking up with two or three female customers during business hours, which apparently is a no-no. And what Chip was doing was trying to fill a Zoe hunger with bios food, like money, sex, pleasure, possessions. And so I'm in this meeting, a family, extended family meeting with Chip, uh, calling him to repent and to turn to Jesus. And in the middle of this meeting, right when I was thinking we're getting somewhere, Chip's dad pulls out a wad of cash and offers him money if he would stop his bad behavior and put his marriage back together. And in trying to... hold my urge to smack him around, I told his father how inappropriate and wrong this was, which he did not understand. He was trying to solve a Zoe problem with a BIOS solution. Now, your BIOS solution might be fitness, it might be entertainment, it might be alcohol, it might be education, it might be sports, it might be a better job, it might be a nicer vehicle, a bigger house, more friends, a different spouse, but it will not fill you. Jesus said, I am the bread of life, the Zoe bread that satisfies your Zoe hunger. So how do you get what Jesus offers? Well, you must believe. Uh, That's what 
he says in this text, Jesus says, come to me with a believing heart and you will never hunger and thirst again. I will be enough for you. I will fill that hunger that nothing else can fill. I've not come to bring you bread, Jesus says. I am your bread. I've not come to improve your life. I've come to be your life. And the people don't like this definition. They don't like how Jesus explains this and talks about their needs. And they say, hey, we know this guy. We know him. He's not some stranger. He didn't pop down from heaven. We know his father and his mother. That's verses 41 and 42 of John 6. He's one of us. This guy is one of us. He's nothing special. But Jesus repeats again and again that he is the bread of life. Uh, Verse 48. And then he says this. Verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. So what does it mean for Jesus to be the bread of life for you and me? Well, a couple of things I want to point out to you. Uh, One is, you consider this verse, it means you must consume Jesus. You must consume him. When Jesus said, if anyone eats, that word for eats, the, the Greek word is phago, and it means to consume you can't just appreciate jesus i think our our world our culture appreciates jesus they're kind of fond of him they like him that's not enough you can't just sample his teaching our world likes to sample the teachings of jesus Uh, you, you can't just enjoy his example you can't just watch him from a distance and admire him you must consume him I don't know about you, but I like the smell of fresh baked bread. I like that. It'll sell your house faster if you have that cooking. But just enjoying the the odor, the fragrance of that bread will never satisfy you. It will only make you hungry. And so it is with Jesus. It must be a total acceptance of Him. And when Jesus said, He's the bread that came down from heaven... That's in the aorist tense. That means it's already happened. The living bread already arrived. And Jesus is referring to the incarnation. How the perfect Son of God, God the Father sent His perfect Son into this world the first Christmas. And then Jesus refers to an event that's yet to come when He says these words. He says about the bread that will give life to the world being His flesh. So Jesus is talking about his death on the cross, which is to come soon. You must fully accept the sacrifice of Jesus for you. You must feed on him as the only Savior. There's not two ways. He's the only way. And Jesus kept repeating these these concepts, and and he used some words in a way that one scholar called crudely forceful. Here's an example. Verse 54, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. That's crudely forceful. Jesus is not talking about cannibalism. Jesus is not talking about taking communion. That's bios thinking, by the way, if you're thinking that way. That's bios thinking. That's getting stuck on earthly, physical stuff. 
Jesus is blatantly declaring that he's the only solution for true life. Your deepest hungers in mind can't be satisfied anywhere else. You must take him alone. Dr. Morton Lloyd-Jones said, anyone who has any conceivable alternative to Jesus Christ is not a Christian. Strong words and absolutely true. He's the only one. That's what it means to consume Christ. He's the only Savior. And Jesus declares that He is all you need, that He is enough, and then Jesus goes to the cross and the bread of life is broken for you. He dies in your place and mine. He bears your penalty and mine. And then He rises again in victory over sin and death so that hungry sinners might feast on grace and thirsty sinners might drink their fill of God's love and mercy. Not only must you consume Christ, then Jesus also emphasized that you must be sustained by Jesus. You must be sustained by Him. Verse 56. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now there are a couple things I want to point out from this verse. One is that Jesus uses a different word for eats than he used in verse 51. I told you that was fago and what that meant. Uh, here he uses the word trogo. And this is the term that's, that refers to, it's not, a, it's not a normal term for eating, it refers to gnawing, it refers to munching, uh, it, 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 it's used about a feast with friends, close friends. And this is also a present active participle. And what, what does that mean? It means that this eating that Jesus is talking about is continual and habitual. It's continual and habitual. So after, uh, that, it means this, after initially believing and consuming Christ, we must continue feeding on Him. That He is our constant source of satisfaction. There must be an ongoing, continual feeding on Jesus. That's what that means. So keep on being consumed by Him. And then you remain in relationship, and fellowship rather, with each other. Uh, David Whipple made national news last week, and most of you probably heard about it, when he showed off that McDonald's hamburger he bought 20 years ago. Did you see that? Um, Whipple still has the receipt. He bought it on July 7, 1999, he says. And he bought the hamburger, stuck it in a pocket of his jacket, and promptly forgot about it for a year. I don't know how you can do that. But he did. Supposedly, he pulls it out. And according to him, it looks pretty much the same. Now, I saw pictures. I would know that's not real good. Uh, amazingly, the only thing that seems to have disintegrated was the pickle, which makes no sense to me whatsoever. But no matter how it appears, that hamburger is no longer food. Now, some would say it never was food to begin with, but go with me here. It's a relic. It's a relic. And eating it would bring no satisfaction. It would bring a stomach ache. Your spiritual relationship can't be something you just preserve from the past. It can't be. It will not sustain you. When it's no longer fresh, you aren't being nourished. When you stop feeding on Christ, you aren't sustained. Jesus is of no value as a museum piece, a relic, a keepsake. He must not only be your savior, he must be your sustainer. You must look to him for that. And so let me put it in, the, in these words. That true satisfaction comes when I consume Christ continuously. So I'm combining both of those things together. When I consume Christ, fully take it, 
continuously. Because it's so easy to find something else in life to nibble on. I know, because it's easy for me. Other bread. But the danger is when we get to this other bread and we, and we say, well, I have everything I need right here, thank you very much. I have all I need in my job, my career. I have all I need in this addiction. I have all I need in this relationship, this family. I have all I need in my hobby. I have all I need in my family. I have all I need in this sin. And so Jesus, if you're telling me that I need to give this up, then that's not a life I'm really all that interested in. But all those are Savior substitutes that leave you ultimately hungry and thirsty, dissatisfied. All other bread will not give life. In fact, all other bread will break you. Jesus is the only bread broken for you. And so day after day, feed yourself on this reminder that he gave himself for you. He is enough for you. Satisfy your hunger with the bread of life. You say, well, how do I sustain? How, what does that mean? What does that look like? If my faith is in Jesus, how, how am I then to be sustained? Well, maybe you can identify with Jay uh, when he said he went to his pastor and he said, I used to be so excited about God. I used to be so uh, pumped about reading the Bible and going to church and praying, but, but, but I've drifted away and I'm not hungry for God anymore. And his pastor said, listen, Jay, if you, know, if you go long enough without food, you, you get to a point where you don't feel hungry, even if, even if you're starving to death. He said, what you need to do is you need to eat anyway. And he said, Jay, you need to go back to your small group. You need to start reading your Bible. You need to keep praying, or you need to just sit in silence and beg God to speak to you. That's a little bit what it's involved in, in continuously feeding, being, having Christ to sustain me. Because everything and anyone else will ultimately disappoint and, and dissatisfy, whether it's children or career or success or possessions or adventure or comfort. And you can try and fill up on so many things, and they can be fine things, but what they can do is, is sort of satiate your, your appetite for true bread. But I must keep filling up on Jesus and do that through worship, do that through obedience, through that, do that through talking to him and hearing what he has to say to me, feeding on his word. And so Jesus calls here for a complete acceptance and then continual dependence on him. And whether you have a, a full stomach or an empty one, hunger for him, uh, whether you have more than enough and you're successful or, or you're struggling to survive, crave him. Whether you can buy anything you want or you're waiting for the government check to arrive so that you can keep the lights on, depend on him. Because a low-carb spiritual diet, one not centered on the bread of life, will never satisfy. Let me put it in these words. That as the bread of life, Jesus is my savior and sustainer. And satisfaction only comes when he's both. He's both. Jesus is the only Savior, and I trust that many of you, most of you, maybe all of you, have put your faith and trust in Christ alone as Savior. He is the only way. But he also must be your sustainer as well. Now, these things go against what our culture tells us, surely. And that's why this is a hard word. In fact, it's always been a hard word. 
And that's why, right after Jesus said this, verse 66 tells us that after this, many of his disciples turned away and no longer followed him. Why? Because it's a hard word. It's a hard word. When Rick Tunis heard about the mass starvation in Malawi, Africa a number of years ago, he felt God prompting him to do something. So he and his wife Nancy began to pray about that. The first thing they had to do is find out where Malawi was because he had no idea. And as they began praying, they, they, they felt compelled to begin collecting funds for famine relief. And, and they were then able to send food to many villages. And eventually, uh, Rick himself ended up in Malawi. And, and uh, he had a, a truck filled with 17 tons of cornmeal. And he was in another vehicle following that truck, having trouble keeping up with it sometimes. And they got to a village near the border of Mozambique, and he came across some women who were boiling corn husks because that was all they had to eat. The children there, their, their bellies were distended, their hair was discolored, which is a sign of malnutrition. And uh, they got cornmeal from the truck. Then, as they started away and the truck got ahead and then out of sight, uh, Rick in his car came across an old man sitting on the side of the road. He, he was wearing just a rag and he was desperate for food. The truck for cornmeal with cornmeal was, was way out of sight. So Rick frantically searched around in, in his car and found an almost empty can of, of cashew nuts under the front seat. And Rick poured out what was left into that man's cupped hands. Just a few broken cashew pieces. And this guy's grinned from ear to ear. He couldn't have been happier, so thankful for these pieces. When I read that story, my, my initial thought was, what good did those few nuts do that poor guy? It might keep him sustained for another hour or two, maybe half a day, but here's a guy who's starving. What could that little bit do? I mean, it's, I suppose, better than nothing. And then I realized how often I live my life exactly that way. That I go through life excited or focused on things that will not last, that only temporarily fill the hunger, and all the while Jesus is offering the eternal and that might be where you're at right now. And you might be thinking, well, this is all well and good. But how does it help me when I don't have a job? I mean, that's Jesus, the bread of life, good. But employment is my primary concern. Or you might say, well, what good is it when I live in constant pain? The pain that's going on in my life right now, my body. What, my main desire is relief from this pain. Or you might say, how can I feed on Christ when all I want is somebody to love me? And what good is it when my family's a mess and we can't get along and things are breaking apart? My, my greatest need, you might say, is a soulmate. My, my greatest need is a divorce. My greatest need is a therapist. But see, th that's the point. It's exactly why we need to be consumed with Christ. Because nothing else will ever be enough. No one else will ever be enough. Everyone else will disappoint you on some level. No job will last forever. No bank account is big enough. No relationship will provide everything. No medicine will completely cure. Uh, no success will endure. Everything else is 
just leftover cashews. And until you know that only Jesus is the bread of life, satisfaction will elude you. Satisfaction comes when you're continuously consumed with Christ. He must be your Savior and your sustainer. It's not enough to sample. You must consume. You must consume. And so if you have not come to the point where you realize that Jesus is the only way and you have staked your life on him, that is something you need to do today. Or or if you are one who has put your trust in Jesus and, and you realize you need to reawaken your hunger for Jesus, and I call you to feed on him through his word, crave him in worship, cry out to him in desperate prayer. And like me, you might need to confess them things today. So I invite you right now to close your eyes with me. Just close your eyes. And if you would like to, open up your hands before God. And as I mentioned some things, if they apply to you, just silently confess it to the Lord. If your bread is a relationship an idolatrous relationship, an adulterous relationship, a codependent relationship, if that's your bread, would you confess that it's a savior substitute and say to God in the quietness of your own heart, say, you and you alone, God can sustain me. Because as great as that person is, they're not you. They're not the bread of life. So Jesus, I let go of this imitation and I ask you to give me yourself. Or if your bread is a substance, if it's a drug, if it's drink, if it's food, if it's porn, if it's stuff you buy, would you confess that it's left you empty and hungry and wanting? And as a sign of surrender, would you open your hands to God and say, you can have this. I want you, Jesus. I want the bread of heaven. If your bread is the approval of people, if you're living by the opinions of others, if criticism just cripples you, if you hunger for compliments, if, if that's what you're, would you confess that? And as a sign of surrender with your hands open to God, say, I don't need anyone's approval but yours. I don't need empty words of praise. I need your promises that never fail. And so, Lord, we confess these things to you and more. Increase our hunger for you. Satisfy our longings with the Savior. Feed our hungry souls with the bread of life now and for eternity through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.